Nicholas from the Gazette here. I am the sports columnist slash Iowa men's basketball B writer, and I'm joined by Nathan Ford of the Gazette, a basketball aficionado, producer of this and all other sports podcasts at the Gazette, and uh, a pretty knowledgeable guy in general. Uh, we got a lot to talk about, so I thought it would be a good time to have an all-purpose podcast with what's gone on the last five, six days, college basketball in Iowa, both men and women. Uh, I don't know who we should open with. I'm tempted to say the Iowa State men and women because they're still standing, but we are in Cedar Rapids. So let's have postmortems for Iowa. That sounds good to me. We, uh, we'll probably be talking about Iowa State for a few more days at least. Like you said, they're still around. So Iowa, it's come to a sudden conclusion for both teams that I don't think anybody really saw coming. Well, it was as dismal a daily double, although it was two days apart, as as anything I can remember. I mean, I didn't think that the men were a lock for the Sweet 16. No. Certainly, I thought they had a, a decent chance, but I, I thought the women were, you know, 98%. Uh, it turns out that the other 2% had something to say about it. Yeah, I, I thought for sure the women would advance. I mean, just the way they've been playing really since, mm, I don't know, early February, mid February, the, the, the home court advantage, that is such an advantage in the, the women's basketball tournament multiplied by five or 10 with Iowa this year and the sellout crowds, uh, just having the, the type of experienced players that they have and, and just the role that they've been on. I, I don't think anybody saw it coming, um, here in Iowa or nationally, and it was just, it, it was one of those games that I think we saw around December or early January, they had a couple of clunkers and they, they dealt with some injuries and a couple of off games from Caitlin. And that's just, it kind of, it happened again, not, not great shooting. And Clark just was not able to get into a rhythm in the second half and bad rebounding. And it just, it all came crashing down. What a dismal thing. I mean, you have an ABC two-hour slot, Iowa women's basketball, not even a Final Four game, a round of 32 game. This is what the nation thinks of Caitlin Clark. Mm-hmm. ABC was happy to put her on, you know, for two hours. And uh, that sports, I guess, is you can't count on anybody or anything every time. but. Uh, I mean, we're going to get to Iowa State and the teams that have good stories to tell right now. But uh, the women, is, does Clark have enough to work with to be on a Final Four team? I, I always thought this year that I, I thought the Final Four hype was maybe a little much. Now, of course, it's, it's the NCAA tournament and it's it's a single elimination event and they – if things fell their way, I, they could have made the final four, but I, I wanted to predicted it coming into the tournament and, and with their region as well, being in South Carolina's region. I mean, they, they're holding teams to like 30 points a game in the first two rounds. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, I don't know, all season, they, they did have some injuries at the start of the season that I was concerned with, with Goodman, the backup center going down. And I was surprised, I mean, surprised that O'Grady really, 
stepped up late in the season and became a reliable option off the bench. But still, I mean, the they have good shooters around Clark, uh, Marshall, and Warnock. And then Taiwo coming off the bench is a pretty good shooter as well. But I, I think all along it's not a, it hasn't been a great defensive team, hasn't been a great rebounding team. And when the shots aren't falling, which they weren't against Creighton, and Clark isn't able to get to the free throw line or score inside, um, then then they they lack options. And I'm excited to see what next year brings with some of the freshmen they have coming in. Uh, Hannah Stolke from Sierra Rapids, Washington, I think is a really versatile player. Um, and she could provide a, an interesting option to, to um, go along with Sonano. But yeah, I mean, beyond Clark and Sonano, I'm, I don't know. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not sure that that was a Final Four team, but it was a really, really good one and a team that if it had been hot, could have gotten that far, but maybe wasn't likely to. Mm-hmm. It's it's funny how views change. I mean, you win a regular season Big Ten title or a share of it. You win the tournament. Uh, if before the season somebody says you get that and everything else you're on your own, you'll say, I'll take it. Oh, yeah. But when you end with the loss, as the cliche goes, everybody but one team does. Uh, it, it really it darkens everything temporarily at least, and especially when it's around a 32 game at home against a team you know that you should beat. I mean, I, I don't see Creighton giving Iowa State a tight game in Greensboro. I could be completely wrong. But Greens, uh, that, that, I mean, the way that game started, I watched it on television. The, the first quarter, it's like this is a game Iowa wants. This is racehorse basketball, and even though – that's what Creighton does. And Creighton shoots threes, threes and threes and threes. It just felt like the longer this game goes, the more and more it's going to favor Iowa. And then it just dried up and it, and the spigot never opened again. And it, it, so it did remind me of the men's game. I think they got tighter and tighter and uh, the burden of expectations can sometimes be too much. Yeah. And then they, it was, it was just weird to watch because they've had first halves like that against in big games. I mean, they've got, they were down double digits against Indiana at home against Michigan at home, big 10 titles on the line and came back and would go on like 20 to four runs and just pummel teams with their offense. And the shots didn't fall. And like you said, they got tighter and started to lack options. I thought Sonano was really good, but I, I mean, it like she, the, her, by her standards, she had a, a tough second half, a couple mm-hmm. of shots inside weren't falling and they kind of ran out of answers. And it was, it was interesting too, to hear uh, Lisa Bluter in the post-game press conference address the officiating head on, wasn't even asked about it. It was just part of her opening statement was just really unhappy with the game, with the way the game was called. And, I don't listen to all of her post-game press conferences, but that struck me as something that she doesn't usually do. She's, I don't, I mean, all coaches are going to talk to the refs throughout the game, but even in this one, I, I thought she was a little more adamant about stuff not getting called. And I'm not going to, I'm I'm never one to be like criticizing the, the officiating. I mean, that's the, as if that's why you lost the game. There was plenty of reasons why I wouldn't lose that game. 
or why Iowa did lose that game. But I just thought it was interesting and kind of goes to that, that lack of options maybe where they, the shots weren't falling and they couldn't get to the free throw line and all that frustration just compounded in the second half. And they gave up, a, they gave up a late lead still. I mean, they, they were up by four with a minute left and couldn't close it out. And how, I don't know if you'd call it Shakespearean that's going overboard, but for a player who left for more playing time to come in and get that playing time and beat them, Lauren Jensen, I know that everybody said they were happy for her, but <laughs> how happy could you really be? Yeah, and I, I know the, the guard rotation is deep at Iowa, but it, I, I was watching her score nine points in a row at the end and thinking, uh, Iowa probably could have found some playing time for her this year. Um, but yeah, all the credit to her. It was one of those stories coming into the game where you're like, okay, Former, I mean, she's a transfer. Of course, people are going to be talking about this, but is it really going to have that big of an impact? And mm-hmm. the way the way that it it played out. I mean, I had friends texting me who don't aren't Iowa fans, don't really watch Iowa at all. Like, did that? Did I hear that a player transferred out of Iowa and scored the game winning? Like, that was a story that I think that nationally resonated, not just because mm-hmm. of Iowa losing, but the way that it happened is just. It, it was unbelievable to watch. And you mentioned Sanza, or I can never pronounce her name right the first try. I'm so sorry to her. Sinano, did I get that right that time? Yeah, I think you got it. Okay. I, I see words as I say them, and so that <laughs> one stops me. But, I mean, her last shot sits on the front of the rim, doesn't fall, and it was like that was the game. I mean, that was that was the – the game in one shot that the story of that game in one shot, that's a shot that it seems like she makes 101% of the time. Oh my God. And it just didn't have enough on it by, you know, just a little bit more. It goes in and I think they win the game and on to Greensboro. And what a story that would have been Iowa against oh. Iowa state in the sweet 16. Could that- I mean, uh, yeah, it's just one of those things that you don't think you're going to see, but, that would have been something else could have been the story of the year in state sports story of the year. I mean, that, that is just, that would have been all time. I mean, we, we've gotten some amazing Cyhawk games the last few years, football wise with a lot of hype and basketball, but that would have been, I think that could have been another level. I mean, that would have been, that would have been a national story and a, and a season defining story. And it's just, (laughs) <laughs> to think about how close we were to getting that is, oh man. I I, mean, I saw Sonano get that position and I was just, I was mentally ready for overtime when she just getting the position she got in the lane. I was like, that's, that's a basket. It, it was just a, a day where the shots didn't fall in that. I mean, I don't know how much Creighton had to do with that, but it, and credit to them for coming up with a game plan to, to at least limit Iowa offensively. Yeah, and, and Kate and Clark showed that everybody has days like those. Yeah. You know, I mean, four for 19, tough, tough. The only thing, if you're Iowa, you can hope for is that it, it makes her angry and she plays with enough fury as it is, but make her angry for an entire calendar year, and I wonder what she can do. She is. She's an unbelievable competitor. And I, yeah, I think losses like that tend to 
the disappointment obviously fades over time, but I, I have a feeling going into next year that she's still going to be thinking about that one. Um, okay. Let's do the men. And I'm sorry, uh, as everybody knows, the tale is not any happier. Uh, in, in some regards, it may be even more unhappy because it seemed like you had a team that was poised, not a lock, but poised to finally get to that second week of the NCAA tournament. And there were a lot of people around the country who thought even bigger for them. Uh, and they went out against Richmond and played poorly and lost to what I consider an inferior team. And it was just, it, it told such a story about what March basketball can be like because you go from one of the highest highs that they've had, I would say the highest high that they've had in 15 years and under Fran McCaffrey for sure to the lowest low um, in the space of four days. Uh, you'd rather have the high at the end instead of uh, the low. But I mean, to me, it was, again, it was, there were a lot of reasons they didn't win that game, but they couldn't shoot. No. And it was, it's like you said, it was a similar story to the women. They couldn't shoot six for 29 from three, 20.6%, one of the worst of the year. And everybody besides Patrick McCaffrey was two for 22. So that, I mean, if it wasn't for him, it would have been even worse. And it, and it was the same kind of story. Once they, the shots didn't fall, they didn't have any, they didn't have another answer. They, they didn't get to the free throw line enough. I think uh, nine, they were nine for 12 and the turnover percentage too was a problem. They had a similar turnover percentage against Richmond that they do against Rutgers or that they did against Rutgers. And that was one of their strengths all year was not turning the ball over. And they, they turned it over too many times in the, both those two games, but against Rutgers, they got to the free throw line 27 times. And against Richmond, they got to the line 12 times. And so once the, the shots weren't falling, they were turning it over too much. And then they didn't have, they kind of, I don't, I don't want to say they panicked because it, it really didn't look like they were, you know, completely overwhelmed or anything, but they just, it was almost like they just didn't know what else to do when, when the shots weren't going down. Yeah, it's and, and uh, I sat courtside, and it was the Iowa basket in the second half, and I was just, it's like this wasn't the team I saw in Indianapolis. They, it, there was no penetration. Uh, Richmond's defensive game plan and execution for that game uh, flawless. Keegan Murray, I haven't hadn't seen him that frustrated offensively. I know he had 21 points, but he went 15 minutes without a field goal attempt mm -hmm. uh, at one stretch. And I hadn't seen him that stymied in, in a lot of games. Uh, for whatever Richmond lacked, it made up for in preparation and execution. And I thought their forward, Burton, outplayed Murray. And yeah, got the best great. of him when when uh, the spiders had the ball, so it wasn't a great showcase for Murray. Who, you know, it was like so many superstar players, lottery picks projected are still playing in this tournament. 
and he's not. And it's, it's too bad because we all saw him over and over and over again and know how good he is. And uh, when it was time to really be that guy, uh, it just wasn't quite there. Yeah, it was weird. I mean, during the during that stretch where he didn't have a field goal for a long time, the the TV broadcast was like imploring Iowa to just get him the ball. They're like, "This is where you need to get your best player, your All American, the ball." And I agree, but at the same time, there's been a lot of moments throughout the season where I, I mean, I don't think that's always. He's not a guy that just demands the ball and goes one on one to score. I mean, he he kind of works within the flow of the offense. He comes off screens, gets open shots, gets offensive rebounds, gets out in transition. And Richmond just didn't let him let him do that. I mean, they, there was always guys covering him, denying him passes. They did a good job rebounding too, Richmond did. Just didn't let him get those those shots that, you know, got him in rhythm. And like you said, he still scored 21 points. It's not like he's the reason they lost the game. Uh-huh. That's a lot to ask out of anybody. And sure. so you can't blame him for losing that game. There's plenty of other guys that didn't play play well either. But that that's just one that was just one factor in it. And I don't I don't think he made a three either. Yeah. He and no. he didn't make he didn't make one against Rutgers and still, I mean, still played pretty well. So but it, it was just they needed an answer and nobody could give him one. And they couldn't do anything with the Richmond point guard. Yeah. You know, he was the player of the game. He was he played a beautiful game. And then he, against Providence on Saturday, he couldn't do anything. Yeah. The whole team couldn't do anything. So that's, you know, that doesn't help matters around here much either when in the second round they got buried by Providence. But uh, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I think as time fades, the NCAA game, it's never going to be forgotten, but you got to remember the positive with the negative. And I'm not a Pollyanna, but I also know what I saw over the course of a couple of months. And I saw Iowa beat a lot of good teams. I saw Iowa go from four and six and foundering in the Big Ten to 12 and eight. Uh, big win on the road against Michigan, big win on the road against Ohio State. Michigan's still playing. Mm-hmm. Um, Ohio State was a second-round NCAA team. They, they clobbered Michigan State and Carver, just tore them apart. Uh, and then the Big Ten tournament, four, you know, memorable games in different ways. The Northwestern game for being an absolute, as close to perfection as it gets. Rutgers for starting out down 10 and then, you know, just gradually dominating the, the, the incredible finish against Indiana in a tense tight, just a, 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 you could not get sucked up in that game, I don't think. And then Purdue, which I still think is the best team in the conference. Uh, Iowa outplayed Purdue in a championship game. And uh, Keegan Murray was a better player than Jaden Ivey in that game. I thought Iowa did a great job on Ivey. So this is a team that has a a long list of accomplishments this season. This is how much is placed on the NCAA tournament, which can be a fluky, weird deal. And draws do matter. And I'm not saying Richmond was a bad draw, but – 
there were probably 12 seeds uh, or excuse me, uh, yeah, 12 seeds that Iowa might have fared better against. I don't know. But Iowa comes out and didn't have the look it had in Indianapolis. And this was a thing I talked to, to colleagues about the night before. It's a different animal. It's not a conference tournament. The stands aren't packed. You're in Buffalo on a Thursday afternoon. The place is half empty. Most people don't even have rooting interests. you got to make your own energy. And you're playing against competent, smart, talented teams who, uh, you know, in Richmond's case, a 12 seeds looser, less to lose. And uh, the longer the game goes and, and the, the more they're in it, the more their confidence grows and the favorite you know, feels that uh, pressure. And I think that's, I normally don't put all too much stock in that, but I do think it affected this game. I mean, Iowa's body language was not good in that game. Richmond's was very good. And I think it was reflected in the way they played. Yeah. And there was a lot of talk too about Iowa just coming off a, a four games in four days and uh, well, not four, but three intense games. And having that quick turnaround a Thursday afternoon in Buffalo. I don't, I don't, I, I don't know if that made that Richmond had the same thing. Exactly. Exactly. And, and it was, I think it was more of that. Just you go from playing in the big 10 packed arenas every night, except for a couple places <laughs> and then big 10 tournament, very clear goal right in front of you teams, you know, to, a completely new opponent, mm-hmm. one that's really, really motivated, nothing to lose for them. Uh, a team that's had a few days to game plan for you. And a veteran team. Yeah. and I mean, these plan. teams in this tournament, there are some old teams and Richmond's yeah. an old team. Yeah. And, and one that, and one that prides itself on defense too. I mean, like Gilliard's like the, all-time leader in steals i think yeah. and that's i mean part of that's because he's played a ton but still they they take a lot of pride in, in defense and well, they average three steals a game yeah you know i don't care how old you are how many games you played that's a bunch that's a lot yeah so i mean they were they were just they were ready to give iowa something that they hadn't seen in a while and it's it is on iowa to to kind of create your own energy in, in an environment like that. And you're right. It just didn't really come. Yeah. And there is an element of snobbery involved. Uh, the big 10 should know way more than, than well by now. There's good teams, every place, you know, Illinois is out in the second round for the second year in a row. Um, Indiana got smashed by St. Mary's. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you, you can go down the line. The uh, These are good teams. St. Peter's is a good team. I don't think they give Purdue a game at all, but they're good. You know, I'm not saying they're great, but it, it's a it's a deal where I don't care who you are or where you're playing them. If you're playing a good team and you're not good, you're going to pay. Yeah, what do you make of uh... – the sort of the, the big 10 storyline that we've, I mean, it kind of comes across every March because they haven't won a national title in forever. But I think the last two years, particularly last year, obviously when they're, it was just big 10 is the best conference in the country all year long. It was three, four top 10 teams 
and none of them live up to expectations mm-hmm. this year i'm like okay they're seed seed wise they were supposed to have two sweet 16 teams and they had two sweet 16 teams so i'm kind of i think some of it's a little bit overblown but you do kind of i think i think a lot of it is just the the talk all year from i don't know i don't know if big 10 teams do it as much as just the media in general talks up big 10 teams well, you ask any coach, they'll tell you it's the well, best true, in the country, yeah. you know. True. But well, I, I think it's I think a simple answer is guard play. Uh, the Big Ten just didn't have a lot of great guards this year, and you know it's it's the old cliche in the tournament that guards dictate. Uh, you know, the look Iowa didn't have an answer for Jacob Gilliard of Richmond. Yeah. Uh, Illinois' guard situation, I don't know what happened over there, but it wasn't right. It did, things never uh, – the, it wasn't good against Indiana in the Big Ten tournament. I watched that game at courtside, and then the Houston game, I mean, Curbelo suddenly became missing in action. Yeah. I, I, so I don't know. You know, I, I, I didn't think Ohio State's guards were anything special. Um, nor Indiana's. Uh, Michigan's getting good guard play, especially if a freshman named Frankie Collins has come along and done yeah. a great job when they needed him to. But Michigan State, their guards, I'm, I'm, you know, not up to their usual standard in my opinion. And and uh, Wisconsin, Johnny Davis wasn't himself physically in the tournament. No. And then they lost Hepburn too against Iowa yeah. State. That made right. a big difference. Well, that could lead us into uh, – the next subject, which is happier things, Iowa State. They're still playing. Uh, that would have been a good bet to make a week ago, them <laughs> in the Sweet 16. Uh, it's easy in hindsight to see how it's happened. But a week ago, I didn't, I didn't see how they were going to get past Wisconsin in Milwaukee, let alone – I mean, LSU I thought was hard enough. Right. Yeah, it was. Fu- it's funny because – when you just watch the selection show live and a couple of quick thoughts jumped out at me, it was like, okay, Iowa state's first game is against a team that just fired its coach. That's a great draw. If you're an 11 seed and then your three seed Wisconsin is a team that the metrics say is kind of overrated and has a, and their star player has been hobbled in the last Mm -hmm. couple of weeks. So I'm like, that's pretty good. But then you sit back and you think about the way Iowa state had been playing lost by 30 to Texas tech had scored in the thirties against Oklahoma state, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and you look at the type of team LSU was the type of environment Wisconsin would have had. And suddenly I, I was like, okay, maybe it's a pretty good draw if you're an 11 seed, but I still want to predict a sweet 16 team, but they, I mean, the Iowa state just, they all season, you know, credits, they just have not given up that defensive identity. I mean, they, they, are just they just smother teams and the last couple of games they got enough from Tyrese Hunter against LSU and then they got enough from Gabe Kalsher against uh Wisconsin to to win so you, I mean it's not the most pleasing thing to watch if you love offensive basketball but you don't make excuses this time of year for for advancing no I I see this as probably going to be one of the least of Otzelberger's teams over there mm-hmm. and yet 22 wins in a sweet 16 cobbled together on, you know, he's got two reliable scorers and maybe really only one. I mean, Hunter 
Hunter had the magnificent game Friday. I mean, one of the great games in Iowa State NCAA history, making seven threes. Uh, okay, he's one of ten Sunday. I still think he played a good game with what he did all all around. Yeah. But Gabe Kelsher gives them nothing offensively on Friday and Sunday. He puts them on their back uh, with, with one of his best games of his career. Uh, they only have those two guys and Isaiah Brockington as scorers. They can get occasional points from Grill and Koontz, but they're not going to give you 15 or 20 it, generally. I know they both have. Very limited options, very limited offense. They don't get anything from the post. But the way they defended, I mean, they had 15 steals against LSU, a long athletic team, against Wisconsin. Wisconsin leads the nation in fewest turnovers per game. Wisconsin turns it over 17 times. It was great defense for 40 minutes. And that can get you places you aren't supposed to go. Now, does this continue? I'm not going to say no. But I also look at who they beat, and you went over this. Yeah, to me, LSU was, was coachless, but I looked at it as it, players don't care. Yeah. Big moment. They don't care. It's about them anyway. And uh, they were stymied. Wisconsin comes in, and it's got problems. Maybe bubbling under the surface, but Johnny Davis wasn't the player he was in becoming Big Ten Player of the Year. He hurt himself against Nebraska in the last regular season game. Didn't have his lift. Uh, and they keyed on him, and they did a beautiful job of putting two guys on him and denying him a whole lot of what he likes to do. And then Hepburn goes down, and I thought that that killed Wisconsin because you got to put Davison at the point, and Davison's a good player. But all of a sudden, as I was watching this, I told my wife, I said, Davison's got too much to deal with now, and it's going to affect him. Mm -hmm. And for once, I was right about something. He, he was not his normally effective self. And things were completely out of sync for them. And Iowa State had a lot to do with that. You know, there were a lot of teams that would have been in that game playing Wisconsin and Milwaukee with Davis on the court. And what a loss to them. And Iowa State never let Wisconsin get comfortable once that entire game. So Wisconsin going two for 22 from three, worst of the season. And Iowa State ranking eighth in the country in three-point field goal defense. There's some debate about how, mu how much defenses can actually affect three-point field goal defense. But Iowa State also ranks fourth in the country in turnover percentage. It's pretty mm -hmm. clear that they disrupt teams offensively. And... So I, even after Hepburn went down, or even before Hepburn went down, Wisconsin was having issues, and I think Iowa State had a lot to do with that. No, there's no question. I mean, and it's been a constant, even, you know, late in the year when they sputtered, it wasn't the defense that was killing them. It was, I mean, they, they were brutal on offense. You, you alluded to the two games in particular. The, the home finale against Oklahoma State, 36 points. I, I didn't see the game, but when I saw the score, it's like, how is that an NCAA tournament team? Yeah. They, they go to Baylor and they competed, which surprised me, I admit. And then they go to Kansas City against Texas Tech, which is an excellent team. 
team probably just as capable of winning the national title as anybody, but they score 41 and just get blown out of uh, Kansas City. And I'm thinking, I don't think that's an NCAA tournament team. Are they just out of teams? <laughs> but, but then comes the draw as we've gone over, and they do have a body of work. You know, I mean, look, they have beaten a lot of good teams this season. They just have. So, and and you judge these teams on on their 32, 33, 34 games, not on three or four or five. Uh, and Iowa State clearly fit the bill, but for the NCAA committee, weren't even in one of the, you know, first four games. And they get there and they don't flinch. I mean, they, they did not flinch. The moment wasn't too big for these guys, some of them who haven't been there, and one of them is a freshman point guard. So I don't care what happens against Miami, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, it has been an unbelievably successful season. And I know the storyline is 2-22 and 22 last year, and now they've won 22 this year. But uh, that – they could be competitive this year was a big thing. They've been more than competitive. And getting to the Sweet 16, you'll never be able to take that away from them. And until it's proven otherwise, they could win again Friday. Yeah, it, it's it's impressive. I mean, they they I think they won seven games this year when they scored fewer than 0.95 points per possession, which is not good. And that, that Texas Tech was one of them. They had beaten TCU doing that. And then Wisconsin and LSU were, so they beat really good teams when they weren't playing well offensively. And that it's interesting to me that I wonder, you know, coming into this NCAA tournament for a team like that, if it was almost a little bit of new life, because all of a sudden you're out of that big 12 grind where you play everybody twice mm -hmm. and within a tights, but they don't play conference games in December. You, I mean, those teams figured out a way to beat Iowa state. Those are all really good teams. I, I went to the Iowa state game against Kansas state when they were just, they were struggling. They, they went and they went up in that game, 10, nothing and blew a double digit lead and lost in overtime against the Kansas state team that didn't make it to the NCAA tournament. But that was a good Kansas State team. Nigel Pack, their, their guard is an outstanding scorer. And I just feel like part of it is just getting out of that uh -huh. Big 12 grind where you're not – all of a sudden you're playing completely different teams that have not gone up against a, a team like – that haven't played you before, have, don't uh, that haven't played as many defenses like you before. And you can just go out there and defend and and, and target their best players and – and play play hard, play motivated, and have a little bit of new life. And I think I think we saw some of that. Just it was nice to just be able to see some different teams and and defend and get a couple of guys hot enough to win the game. And hey, it's kind of a kind of a Big Ten team there. You got a Minnesota transfer, a Penn State transfer, a Wisconsin kid. I mean, it's kind of it's kind of funny if we talk about the Big Ten guards and Iowa State found a couple and. It's been an amazing fit. Yeah, and Iowa State, you, to support what you just said, has not lost against a team that's not from the Big 12. Yeah. I mean, they've beaten Memphis. They've beaten Xavier. Uh, they've beaten Wisconsin, LSU. You Iowa. Know, they, 
they beat the hell out of Iowa. <laughs> uh, if it's not a Big 12 team, Iowa State can't lose. They're seven. <laughs> they played Big 12 teams 19 times and won seven. But it is a pretty good league. I it's mean, no chain uh, for Providence. Yeah, right. I mean, uh, I mean TCU. So close to beating yeah. Arizona. Baylor's the one that fell, which is the surprise, of course. Uh, well, in Texas, too, in the second round. But uh, Texas Tech is so good. Mm-hmm. And uh, that TCU team, when I saw them before the tournament, I thought, they're good. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, that con- it's amazing how that conference grind is so different than the NCAA tournament. Uh, of course, depending on who you draw. But uh, everybody, I think, was pretty much in agreement the Big 12 had the best top to bottom league this year. Yeah. So it stands to figure that Iowa State's going to feel like it's getting a bit of a reprieve. And um, now we've got Miami against the Cyclones on Friday and I'm not I'm not a student of this Miami team. I didn't get to see much of their game against Auburn and I don't watch a lot of Miami Hurricanes basketball as a rule. <laughs> but they must be pretty good. Yeah, they've got they've got it's another one of those old teams. I mean, a lot of experience. Uh, they've got a guy, uh, Charlie Moore, who's in like his seventh year of college basketball. He'd been to Cal, DePaul. I think I'm even forgetting one. Kansas. Kansas, yeah. And now he's at Miami. And he's and he's from Chicago. What a story that is. I wonder if any I, I think uh that might be mentioned a time or two on the yeah. TV broadcast Friday. <laughs> But then they've got other guards too, McGusty, Wong. They gave Auburn a ton of trouble. I mean, Auburn just that I mean, that was a weird team, Auburn, that was ranked number one at one point, but just never really lived up to that. But I mean, Miami from the start just kind of blew them out. Uh, mm-hmm. Jabari Smith. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Jabari Smith, the NBA like hyped draft pick, he kind of struggled a little bit, but they it was, I think it was kind of down to the guard play and Miami, Miami was just swarming. It's a, it's, I I didn't really know what to think of them because the ACC seemed pretty down this year, but they beat Duke. That's, that says a lot to me at Duke. And and they have awesome. What's Uh, Duke's average starters, uh, the age of their average starters, 19. Yeah. The average age of the Miami starters, (laughs) 22.8. You know, they have they have four sixth year seniors in their rotation. Uh, that spells trouble, in my opinion. I mean, uh, you're seeing old teams do pretty well. Yeah, you are. Uh, this is this is an old team. Oh, my gosh. I mean, you'll see younger NBA. The Pistons lineup isn't 22.8 years old average. I think some of them might be. Uh pushing Jim Laranaga. <laughs> Another thing. This guy's 72. I mean, he, I, I guess he gets naps every afternoon. I'm not saying that to degrade him. It's just that he's they've got the, you know, stability. And he also uh, apparently knows how to work the transfer portal like so many coaches do these days. But I, I look, I mean, they were 14 and 6 in the ACC. And I don't care if the ACC's down or not. You go fourteen and six in that league, you got to be pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I I saw the. I didn't like you. I haven't watched him much, but I did 
watch quite a bit of that Duke game and they're, they're just fearless players. I mean, what you would expect from a veteran team that I think a lot of those guys know it's kind of their last hurrah and they're looking to make the most of it. And it's, I mean, two pretty good stories here with Miami and Iowa state, both we got it. You got a first year coach and then you, well, not a first year head coach, but a first year coach at his, at his, at Iowa state. And then a guy that's been to the final four with a mid-major and has been around for a while with Miami, both working the transfer portal, both getting meshing some older players with some younger players. And, and then two teams, at least definitely Miami that you don't think of as a college basketball powerhouse. I mean, Iowa state, Iowa state has definitely had its moments, but it's, it's quite an interesting matchup. I think one that nationally people are it's it's going to be way down the list on what people are excited for and what people are going to be talking about but Mm -hmm. it's it's intriguing and interesting and I think both those teams are excited about the chance that they have because you look I mean it's kind of like when Oregon State played Oklahoma State last year and you're like one of these teams is going to be in the elite eight a win away from the final four and for either of those that's really exciting yeah it is it's um it's a game that's going to start about 10 o'clock at night in Miami, which is just, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it seems absurd to me, but they know every right button to push when it comes to getting the most out of their advertising dollars. And so that's, that's on them. But I mean, uh, as far as a matchup, I I don't know. I, I, uh, I think that strangely enough, even though Iowa State played a six seed and a three seed, I think this 10 seed will be the best of the three teams they played in this tournament. Yeah, I agree. After watching them play Auburn, and that's that didn't look like a 10 seed. And and they handled USC too, which I thought USC was a little bit overrated. But mm-hmm. still, I mean, that's it's a team that I think has a lot, a lot more offensive options. I mean, I, I might not have said that with a 100% healthy Wisconsin, but uh, – Otherwise, I think it's going to give Iowa State a little bit more of a challenge. And then at some point, you got to, if you're Iowa State, you just, you're hoping that you get enough offense too. I mean, at any point that could run out and everybody could go cold like has happened multiple times before. So, yeah, you're, you're kind of hoping for that too. I think it's got to be Brockington's turn. I mean, mm-hmm. they, they, they rode Hunter Friday, they rode Kelsher Sunday, and Brockington certainly did a nice job up there in Milwaukee, Mm -hmm. but I think it it could be a matter of he's got to be really big. Yeah. Uh, Miami's got four guys that are good for 10 points a game. Iowa state doesn't. So Brockington's going to have a lot on his shoulders late in the evening, Friday in United center. Yep. I agree. I mean, he's, they were trying to get him involved a lot in both those games and he hit a couple of big shots, but yeah, he's got to go and be the guy in this game. We got one more team. The Iowa State women are still playing, and to me it looks like they got a pretty open path to the Elite Eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I realize that you say that, and it sounds like you're knocking Creighton, but Creighton is like, I don't know what they are, 500 to one right now to win the national championship. I'm sorry, I don't make those odds. Uh, I just think that if Iowa State plays a decent game, it wins. Yeah, I, I watched them against UT Arlington in the first round, and 
I don't know what happened there, but they they were close to losing that mm-hmm. game. But then it, it was almost like they got their clunker out of the way in the first round and still won because against Georgia, they dominated from the start. A Georgia team that's been in the, uh, played some really good teams in the SEC, been ranked in the top 25 all year, and Iowa State just had it going. I mean, they, they have a lot of options too. I mean, Creighton's probably looking at a pretty similar game plan where you're trying to shut down Ashley Jones, but there's shooters all over the floor for Iowa State. So you can't just you can't just lock down one player. You're just kind of hoping that everybody else goes cold. Um, but I agree with you. I think Iowa State, just like we expected Iowa to kind of roll Creighton, we, I, I think Iowa State has to be feeling pretty good right now. Um, obviously they're going to take, they're not going to take Creighton lightly watching what just happened, but it's, uh, I, it's just too bad that the men and the women are playing at the same time because it's insane. I mean, I don't get it. I, yeah. I don't get that. There has to be some way. I, I don't care who the school is. There's gotta be some way you can avoid that. Yeah. And it's like, it's the, I th- I mean, it's probably, it's the TV networks that are choosing this and it's, you know, you've got CBS Turner doing the men and ESPN doing the women. And, and I guess they're not really working together because mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I, I assume that ESPN just wanted South Carolina in that, in their, the first time slot, because that's a big draw there. And then they wanted Stanford in the late night time zone, I guess. I don't know. It, it, and and, the, and then, like I said, the men's draw, I mean, Iowa State, Miami is going to be low, low on their picks. So I guess they just didn't really care is what it comes down to. That's just it. They don't really care. <laughs> I, mean, I know it sounds simple minded, but I mean, that's not a priority for them. The priority yeah. is to put the, the, you know, the best games in the best slots and yeah. It's still lousy, and you would think that the NCA would have something to say. But it's like don't have men's and women's teams from the same school butting heads. But uh, the TV money is way too big to counter that argument. You know. Yeah. It's like no, uh, here, take a look at your paycheck again, and then go away. Yeah, so, I get it, but it's just you know, it's still it's it strikes me as wrong. But th- that doesn't mean that there's going to be a right. Right. You know, so. and there's been a lot of I mean, th- that's been a big storyline is sort of the equity between the men's and the, the women's turn. Well, the lack of it between the men's and the women's tournaments over the last couple of years. And I think it was it the, the women's tournament used to be like a Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, at least for the first yeah. two rounds. Maybe it wasn't for the Sweet 16 or Elite Eight because of the quick turnaround for the final four, but I mean, that they looked... had more of their own time slots and, and nights. Yeah. I don't know why that's changed, but it yeah. has. Cause the, the, the second day of sweet 16 games for women start at like 10 30 AM because that's a Saturday. And so you get those mm-hmm. games, you get the women's games first and then just stay out of the prime time for the men's elite eight games. I don't know. It's well, I think... if, if they beat Creighton, they'll play. We presume South Carolina, but it's no lock. They play North Carolina, which is capable, and it's yeah. in North Carolina. They've got an Iowa too, North Carolina. Well, the the South Carolina team is like even money to win the whole thing. <laughs> so, I mean, that's that's it tells you all you need to know about what Iowa State would be facing. Yeah, uh, and it's 
like I said, they've been holding teams to like 30 points a game. And the yeah. and this is where, I mean, Iowa and Iowa State have both gotten into these situations in the women's tournament where they've had really good teams advance pretty far. And then you just run into a UConn, Baylor, NC State. Well, I guess Iowa beat NC State a couple of years ago, but you know what I mean? They've Once you get into those really, really elite teams, it, it takes a lot. And so I, that's, I, you just feel but that's what you want. You want that chance. Yeah. yeah. You, yeah. You're happy to get there and have a chance. And it is too bad that they got put in the South Carolina region. Cause I think some of the other one seeds are more gettable, but Hey, you never know. It's, it's going to be a pro it's probably going to be a pretty low scoring game. And that's, that's a chance to make an impact. It's not like you're going to get lose by like 30. Yeah. And uh, the elite eights, Pretty rarefied air yeah, for an definitely. Iowa State or, or an Iowa. Yeah, you, you're. That's something to celebrate, no matter yeah. no matter what. Well, I think we covered the waterfront here. Uh, I guess I don't anticipate doing another of these this season. But who's your pick for the men? My initial pick was Gonzaga over Arizona, and so I think I'm going to stick with that. But. Um, I don't know. I think it's, I think it's pretty open. Gonzaga is not the Gonzaga they were last year and they didn't even win it last year. So uh, that's, that's where I'm at right now. What about you? Uh, I'm going to take Texas tech. Really? Yeah. I'm not sure why I just, I, I just, I kind of like them. I like that. I, their coach, I like that their coach left for Texas and yes. they're still playing and Texas is on the wayside, but, and they just, they're just tough as nails. Um, yeah. I, I, but I can see a half dozen different winners. Oh, yeah. I mean, I can see, even though it's a Big Ten team, I can see Purdue winning it. Yeah. Uh, wouldn't bet a nickel on it, but I wouldn't call it the upset of my lifetime either. Yeah. And the Zags obviously have, you know, just great talent. I, and. Uh, you know, I mean, a, a Kansas or a Providence, whoever comes out of that game, I think is good enough to do it. Mm-hmm. So uh, to me, there's, it's not like the women with South Carolina. This thing is, is, is genuinely up for grabs. Yeah, I agree. Do you have any? St. Peter's? <laughs> you, that's your I was going to ask you about no, no respect to the Peacocks. I mean, come on. Well, I love them, you know. I love them. I love that somebody did what they did. They yeah. play in a, uh, they have an, an enrollment of like 2,100 students. You can go right by their campus and not know there's a college there. Their, uh, their gym, it's not an arena. It's a gym. <laughs> it's called Run Baby Run Arena. <laughs> uh, it's, it's just beautiful. It is beautiful. And um, it'd be one of the greatest things in the history of sports Sorry, Purdue, if St. Peter's won that game. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? Uh, people would levitate all over New Jersey and beyond. <laughs> Purdue is like – and Purdue, I mean, we talked about – I there's a lot of talk about Illinois and Wisconsin and even Iowa kind of missing out on some opportunities with some generational players these last few years, not going very far in the tournament. Purdue is, like, desperate to get to the Final Four, and now it's kind of set up for them. and. Can you imagine if it was St. Peter's then? <laughs> oh my. I can't. I can't. <laughs> Purdue went to the final four the last time 
uh, Iowa went to the final four. Yeah. 1980. We were all younger then. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. What do you think about uh, my last question for you? What do you think about the national player of the year races? Do you care? Do you, do you have strong opinions? I think the Kentucky guy is going to win most of them uh, just because I think people look at 15 rebounds a game and are wowed. Yeah. And they, they finish strong when some of these things have already been voted on. Right. That was, that was good. But uh, to me, there, there isn't the clear cut choice. Uh, I, you know, before the NCAA tournament, I would have told you, Keegan Murray is as good as any player in the country. Mm. And I firmly believe that I I've never seen an Iowa player like that. And, and I will go as far as to say that includes Ronnie Lester. Wow. Because of the ease and, and the three level scoring that he did all season long. So many times he would score eight points in a minute and 20 seconds or something like that. So many times he would turn a two-point game into a 10-point game. Um, And a well-rounded player. I mean, his rebound numbers were good. His three-point shooting was much better than I think anybody would have had any reason to expect. He's a shot blocker. Uh, He's second on the team in steals. And uh, just a a winner. And I just thought that it was almost too bad that Iowa didn't draw better at home than it did because a lot of people missed out on seeing this guy and they're not going to get a chance. Yeah, it's unfortunate. I'm, it's, it's, I'm glad that the, the women's team started selling out at the end, at the end there. But yeah, the men, I went to the, uh, the, like the first Big Ten home game in January against Maryland. That place was like half empty. Mm-hmm. It was, I was hard to believe there was just no environment and it is too bad, but I don't know. I don't know what that, that's another podcast. Probably. Yeah, it is. Uh, and it's discussed to death and nothing changes. Yeah. It's, every single year it comes up. It's a storyline and there's a million ideas and yeah, it doesn't really, doesn't change. Yeah. Strange. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, I tell you what, if Iowa State wins two games and is in the final four next week, then we'll figure something out That's for, a podcast, uh, yeah. for our, this website. All right. All right. Thanks, Nathan. Thank you. Thanks, everybody, for watching, listening, etc. Get a daily update from the Gazette with our daily news podcast. Add it to your podcast player or your Alexa-friendly device to get a bite-sized local news update each day. Check it out at thegazette.com slash podcasts.